So you've been dumped by someone you loved, or you had to break it off with someone you valued greatly and it's tearing you up inside. Now you want to get over the hurt and get on with your life. Well, here's a tip. Don't turn on the radio or the television or Spotify or anywhere popular music can be heard. Because when you're in a state of romantic despair, you realize every other song on the radio is a breakup song. And that's what this episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast is about. Hey, I'm Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. And we are here today to debate the most ubiquitous breakup songs. Richard, this was your idea. Why did you choose it? Um, There is one artist in particular who I was listening to his catalog and realized, boy, he's got a lot of breakup songs. Oh, wow. And a lot of real rough ones, too. Okay. So that's going to... John Philip Sousa. Yes. The Washington Post March. Little people do not know the backstory behind that. It was the tuba gets me every time on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Richard chose the topic. And I would also say of all these crowdsourced topics out on Facebook, this one had a torrent of emotional outpour from our uh, followers on our Facebook page. And it's so exciting to hear all these points of view and I'm going to share them during the thing. So and Richard, also also I'd like to point out that uh, this is we're recording 2 days yeah. after Halloween. Yeah. So I'm going to be doing what people oftentimes do during a breakup and shoving candy shoving in my candy. face <laughs> for pretty much the entire episode. That's so just 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 fitting, be aware. Very of fitting. Very fitting. Okay, uh, Richard chose it, Michael Stark. Uh, I found that there are just these two sides to breakup songs, the I fucked up side and the you fucked up side. Oh, um, wow. I'll start with the um I guess it would be an I fucked up Okay. Song, which is Neil Sedaka's Breaking Up His Heart. Today, oh, wow. From 1962. And it's a really, it's funny because it's like a ditty. It's a real sweet song. It's kind of goofy, but then all songs from like 1964 and yeah. before were all just kind of goofy and silly yeah. before like the Beatles did drugs. Our buddy Anderson Dadu uh, has that listed as his honorable mention. So you're going to get double points for that one. No, right? he should get like. 1.5 points. 1. Like it's honorable points. mention. <laughs> That's fine. You two, if we have to go to a mediator to get you guys <laughs> back together. Okay, it's, well, why did you pick it? It's just, it's like two minutes long, and it's just this song about this guy who's just um, talking about this girl, and they broke up, and it's he's realizing how hard it is. And yeah. He just wants to get back together again, and there's nothing that. There was another song from 1962 that I thought of, which is um, Big Girls Don't Cry. Oh, yeah. Uh, Frankie Valli and the Teenager song. Yeah. And in that song, Frankie Valli sings about... Four Seasons, not the Teenagers. Uh, sorry, uh, Four Seasons. Don't uh, want to get the angry email from all the Frankie Valli things. <laughs> uh, sings about how he's kind of been a dick. He's yeah. like, he sings about being cruel. Neil Sedaka, if you even look at a picture of him, he it looks like the sweetest, doughest, yeah. doughiest-faced... Like He's such a mensch. She's like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's a song that's like, oh, uh, we've broken up, and I didn't realize how how sad I could be. Uh-huh. This is awful. I just want to get back together again. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Yeah. And I think that um, it is not as. I swear to God, Richard, we are going to break up this podcast if you don't. Unwrap that candy more <laughs> silently. What are you talking about? It's a Kit Kat. That's delicious. Uh, Neil Zadaka, who seems as a Lothario. I to swear to God, Richard, if you don't stop barking, <laughs> you're going to break up again. It's a Wolfman night. You know it's a full moon. I, I think that it's one of those strange breakup songs where it's like, 
Oh, they'll get back together. Yeah. He seems like a nice enough guy. It seems like it's going to work out. Yes. But I just, I just, I, I like a, sh- a, a nice, short, sweet yes. song. And the, l- the lyrics might be longing, but the, boy, the tune could have been a song about, you know, I love ice cream and taffy because it's like a super happy. Oh, lucky. for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which brings to mind everything the Smiths ever did. Okay. So, exactly. uh, yeah. Uh, Richard, what's your starter? Okay. So I might as well go with the person who I mentioned um, as the um, kind of onus for this episode. Okay. Someone who you already mentioned. Oh. Uh, that would be one Mr. Elvis Costello. Oh, wonderful. wonderful. Okay. Um, and the song would be I Hope You're Happy Now. Okay. Off of his album Blood and Chocolate. Oh, this is the Thatcher one, is it? No, that's... No, the, you're uh, thinking of Accidents Will Happen okay. or okay. by about another dozen of his uh, songs. Okay. Just a very... I mean, even... I mean, to say it's an acidic song, you're pretty much describing every Elvis Costello song, so I know I'm not going on too much of a limb here. Um, but even within his catalog, it is quite biting and, uh-huh. and cynical. Um, I don't really know what all of the lyrics mean. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's a Costello song, so I'm not supposed to know what... Uh, what like like a matador with his pork swords while we all die of laughter. I don't know what the hell that means. Yeah. But taken as kind of a whole, it's basically the song of kind of twisting the idea of I hope you're happy now because you're with somebody else. A lot of times you hear that in a song and it's sort of taken as a very like, well, I hope you're happy. I hope that you're happy now, even if though my yeah. heart's broken. And this yeah. is more sort of like said more through like sneered, like sort of mm-hmm. gritted teeth. Like, yeah, I hope you're happy now. Mm-hmm. And sort of with the uh, implication being that you won't be at some point because this guy is a total tool. Yeah. And you're going to look back on this and wish you'd never left me. It's funny. There are a there seems to be definitely like a um, I don't know if you say it's like a gender split, but I've. Like, just looking for kind of like these Mount Rushmore-type songs, these idyllic songs, uh, it's a lot of the guys are the ones that are fucked up. Yeah. Begging people to come back, and uh, women are singing about how they're stronger and better, and right. I will get past you, and you are... I'm I'm glad that we have broken up. And then um, at work, over the like the loudspeaker, this, ch- this trend hasn't changed, where... Like in our break room, they'll play like pop songs, like yeah. Top Forty, and all the guys are singing about how, uh, you know, hey baby, we've broken up, and I just want you to be happy, and hey, you know, things were uh, things were great, and if you ever decide to come back, I'll be here for you. But um, hey, you got it, you be you, I'll be here over here, just wait, just just kind of waiting for you. Yeah, yeah, this is this is very much the opposite. This yeah. is a fuck you type song. <laughs> uh-huh. Fuck you. Um, the bridge is basically, I hope you're happy now like you're supposed to be. And I know that this will hurt you more than it will hurt me. So that pretty much sums up the song and pretty much most of Elvis Costello's back catalog yeah. I think, in two lines. Yeah. His ability to put such a fine point on the sword <laughs> yeah. of, of hurt. Subtlety <laughs> is not normally his uh, yeah. strength. Yeah, yeah. Uh wow, that's super cool. Yeah, I think if like Elvis Costello probably has two or three best of albums worth of these kind of break, Abs- absolutely. That's songs. certainly his uh, his trade. Uh, Winfield, what's your second choice? My what are your categories again? I fucked up. You fucked up. It's kind of I've if I found they've fallen into the, these two sides. Yeah. Okay. And uh, this is more of a premature breakup song. My next choice is "These Boots Are Made for Walking." Oh, nice. Nancy Sinatra, nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah. yeah. And. 
this is like this dire warning song that uh-huh. she is issuing to her man at the time. Yeah. And um, the song's predicate is just based on you keep lying, you say you're going to stop lying, you say you're yeah. going to change, but you're not changing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, we're breaking up. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. These boots are made for walking. One of these days, these boots will walk all over you. And the minimal research I did about the song was it was written by uh, Lee Hazelwood. Oh, yeah. And he said uh, he was originally going to sing it mm-hmm. and then uh, saying that this really isn't, this is too tough of a song for a girl to do. And not uh, Nancy Sinatra kind of like pushed him around. And yeah. Said, no, this is the no. perfect, this is the perfect song. Punched him in the face. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. a woman to sing and the perfect song to. I'm going to ring a ding ding on you. <laughs> Broke his <laughs> broke one of his thumbs and said, "Do you like the other one?" He, she, I think he and Nancy had a long time relationship too. Like he, he was known for it's kind of a somewhat of a Bengali, yeah, almost like thing. Sonny Bono in that his, let's just say his physical attractiveness did not uh, win him all the affection. It was all his, his uh, Svengali kind of producer skills and things like that, like songwriting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that uh, my favorite memory of that song is how and, and it empowering women was at the the VFW in Minneapolis. Uh, the that song would come on in the karaoke the karaoke night, mm-hmm. and every woman in the bar would get to the front and just just <laughs> sing along to that song while pointing at every uh, jerky <laughs> guy. <laughs> There's like three songs that seem to fall into that category. It's that. It's uh, I Will Survive, and yeah. it's You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. Oh, yeah, yeah. And those are the three, like, you get up there, I'm going to, uh, un- you know, unearth. Ev- or, uh, I believe this harkens back, by the way, to the uh, song, songs that drunken women sing at karaoke episode. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of overlap between these two songs, those two categories. But this song is just great. Like, I just, I love the threat of the breakup. I love that it's different than... It isn't post breakup. It isn't we have broken up and this is why. This is This is the breakup. If you don't turn your shit around, I'm out of here. Yeah. And I think that we don't hear that uh all that often. Yeah. Um yeah, that's a fun uh it's a fun choice. I was I just want to mention the the crowdsource of answers and how uh diverse the answers were and I was really pleased to see that there were no duplicates. There were no duplicates of of answers in the request that I made out on Facebook. Uh, for folks to let us know their, um, I guess, I don't know if it was favorite breakup songs or the most potent or powerful ones, but there definitely was a um, uh, You Oughta Know by Alanis Morissette was mm-hmm. was in there. So that, that was among them. All right, man, Freddie, what do you got? All right, so my second one, if Elvis Costello is known for the aggressive and assholey breakup song, this next artist is known for the heartbroken mm-hmm. breakup song, and that would be Patsy Cline. Patsy Cline's crazy. Yeah, Um, it is uh, was written by Willie Nelson, a song that uh, Patsy Cline originally didn't want to record. Um, She basically heard the original version by Willie Nelson, and 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 I'm paraphrasing here. I don't believe this is in the movie, but I believe she said, "What the fuck is this?" And she heard (laughs) Willie Nelson singing. Yeah, because you know it's Willie Nelson's crazy. It's all like weird behind the beat, and Mm -hmm. everything's kind of Mm -hmm. Willie Nelsonified. Yeah. Uh, but her producer Owen Bradley convinced her to uh, record the song, and by the time she got done doing the first take, she was in tears. Oh wow! Um, kind of realized that this is a potent and powerful song about um, 
not being able to let go. And I think that that's something that that's a through line through a lot of, especially in the 60s, these kind of songs about I wish I could let you go. But every time I think about you, you know, I wind up falling. I fall to pieces, I guess. But Crazy also falls into that uh, landscape. And her voice just had this aching and this longing to it that I think few voices in the pop world and let's even though she was a country singer i think she certainly falls into that yeah pop country kind of category that few voices could really match mm-hmm. in terms of like the, just that that ache of loss and heartbreak and yeah you wanting to you just want to give her a hug mm-hmm. really yeah she seemed to have uh, a little bit of masculinity to her voice right that may be one of the reasons she could take a song that. Willie wrote and uh, dispatch it pretty well. Yeah, uh, I think so. I uh, my brother used to joke around about like just driving around. You know, we we'd have a uh, a cruise in Fresno where we go cruise up and down the the Blackstone Boulevard, the main main road. And you would go do that every weekend, and you would just thump like usually like whatever hip hop was popular at the time. And you'd go back and forth and whistle at the girls and see if you can get them to stop. It was you know very. Uh, American graffiti, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though it was the 90s. My brother and I used to joke, well, it wouldn't be funny if we just got in there and just cranked Patsy Cline yeah. at full volume yeah. to see what the hell would happen. Because <laughs> that's like the opposite of a like what would pick up yeah. a teenage chick. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the the observations I felt was that, well, I noticed there was one artist double, and all the crowdsourcing, there was one artist that uh, had two different choices, and that was... Um, Prince and um, yeah. uh, somebody chose um, uh, nothing compares to you and um, how come you don't don't call me anymore? Uh, Abel Arias chose how come you don't call me anymore? And uh, a pop artist singing a breakup song seems like uh, almost like the most unreliable narrator you can imagine because here's somebody who has probably an unending amount of. Op- op- opportunities for romantic interactions. So hearing somebody, especially the male ones, I think, especially the male ones. So you know, uh, as as a touring, you know, uh, entertainer, they probably have at, at, after every show this this line of people waiting to give them some kind of affection. Right. Uh, so the fact, though, that like a guy like Prince probably has maybe a hundred breakup songs in all his recorded repertoire. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's like, you got to have a lot of girlfriends to have a lot of breakups. Yeah, I guess, I guess have so. A lot of breakups have a lot of breakup songs. And, uh, it does almost seem not inauthentic, but you know, it's kind of funny how much we believe that these uh, people. Well, I always problem. think that's, you know, that's so interesting. I always think that is such a, uh, strange thing about musicians that we take them for face value we take the things that they say these songs that are written as if these are experiences that they've directly had versus uh, a novelist who is writing something who is just making it up let's say they're a sci-fi novelist or like you don't quite you don't read uh you know an obvious one you don't read a, 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 a tolkien book yeah and say oh it were the did he experience this with the elves? What are these elves based off in his yeah. personal life? But it's 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 like or he just used his imagination. And singers, we always assume that whatever they put out is some experience they've had. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not. Maybe like, you know, a lot of pop songs too are written by other people than the artist that is singing the song. Yeah, and it's like maybe they just write a, some catchy lyrics that go together, right. and there's just and it's up to the pop artist to put it out there 
as their experience, but like, uh, maybe not. Yeah, I think ever since uh, the unreliable narrator is a good way to yeah. put it. Yeah, the singer songwriter movement I think has uh, led us to believe that they're singing about personal experience, and of course they're not. And I'll just bring this full circle. I think Patsy Cline was incredible at making you believe she was singing about her personal experiences, yeah. even though this was Willie Nelson writing the song. Yeah, and then like, ultimately the topics are. Um, you know, popular music doesn't really range that broadly from one that far outside of uh, happiness, sorrow, uh, boy, girl, moon, June kind of stuff. But um, I think we're about to go into our halftime. Mm-hmm. Yes, and sir. at this point, I'm just going to roll the dice and I'm going to mention some of the uh, you very unique answers that I got when this was put out onto our Facebook. And... Um, Gene Pitney, 24 Hours from Tulsa, from oh, Sam Balligan Hopkins. Oh, Gene, uh, oh, that's your brother? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's the, yeah, it's, yeah, Gene Pitney had some really good uh, breakup songs. Yeah. So it's a good choice. Uh, I, mean. uh, I also want to say my friend Mary Stanford, who is one of the hosts of the Drinking Up podcast, is also a very talented uh, vocal performer. And she says, I got to go full musical theater and turn to Mr. Stephen Sondheim for the realist one. And uh, that is, we do not belong together, <laughs> which is putting a very fine point on uh, the title of a of a song. Um, some really, uh, what I loved about this crowdsource was it really helped us get to know our listeners a lot and finding out some uh, songs that they feel very vulnerable uh, about. Uh, Liz For- Fair, Divorce Song from Andrea Albright, my friend. Uh, a very intelligent and ardent follower of the podcast and one-time guest, Dolly Parton. Uh, Dolly Parton was on the show? <laughs> yeah, Dolly Parton. I what? Love, I love, always love you. Love you. Um, and uh, uh, actually, Sarah Reeve is who submitted Never heard that. Never Is that a little bad if, if your wife is submitting breakup songs <laughs> to your podcast? That's a, that's a bad sign, I think. Uh, Kelly Davis Ficklin, Operator by Jim Croce, and Against All Odds uh, by Phil Collins. Ooh. And my buddy Frank Hade, uh, talented author, uh, Elvis Presley's Separate Ways. So uh, we'll get to some more of these later on. Uh, you know Sarah Reeve also? Mm-mm. Sarah uh, Reeve, D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> I'm not joking. I am, talking to my, I am talking to my lawyer tomorrow. <laughs> oh, my God. I think covering you, my ass. You just got dumped via. I believe I did. <laughs> via podcast suggestion. And with that, we're going to go to our halftime and ask you to be like those who responded to our crowdsource and get in a dialogue with us to go on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and suggest future podcast topics. Uh, those who have suggested in the past have been guests on our podcast. You don't have to, but you could, maybe. And you could also go on our uh, social sites and then suggest alternate answers. What did we miss that you uh, think would be up there on the Mount Rushmore of that topic? This is your time to let your voice be heard. Uh, you can also let your voice be heard by rating and reviewing past episodes of our podcast out on iTunes or SoundCloud, no, on Stitcher or iHeartRadio or Spotify. We're probably on Spotify now, are we? Maybe? I don't know. Oh, yeah, we're on Spotify. We're on Spotify. Uh, so you could go and let the world know what you think about this podcast um, by leaving a review. That would be super cool. Of uh, the podcast or the episodes? I think it's just the podcast. So we are back. And I, we're trying to keep it together. You know, we just, uh, we're just we emotionally in a vulnerable place right now. You tell him a little sniffly. A little sniffly? It's because I got a cold. Oh, it's because, oh, I thought it was because he's sad. No, no, no. No, no, no. Because he's just learned about his impending divorce 
via Facebook suggestions. Which gives, me, which gives me allergies. It gives, <laughs> I'm allergic to divorce. Breaking it, breaking it <laughs> I'm allergic to financial ruin. Okay. Richard uh, goes on there and unlikes. Yeah, unlike. Puts a sad face <laughs> a sad underneath face. there. <laughs> Can be used in what a court I'm, of law. I'm just going to go posting. What a horror. What, what a bad day, you guys. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Vague booking. What's yes. wrong, Richard? Sending you light, light and love. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, Winfield, your third choice. Uh, Pictures of You by The Cure from 1989. Oh, wow. Uh, from the 1989 album Disintegration, which is like their heaviest, yeah. their saddest, their yeah. most... Um, I don't know. I think it's their most interesting work. Maybe mm-hmm. also one of their most popular. Uh, maybe Wish was a little more popular. Got to think about that for a second. I think Pictures of You was more popular. Just Like Heaven was their biggest... Just Like Heaven was their biggest, I guess, single hit. And actually, Robert Smith has talked about that recently, that, that he couldn't believe he wrote this song and he's never going to write anything. Sorry, 100% Friday in Love, Friday I'm in Love is a bigger song than, than uh, any of those. I thought Just Like Heaven was the biggest chart. I think that was actually 40 on the charts. We're gonna look, I'm going to look this up okay. while you guys okay. talk. I got a computer. Because now, cause now I'm I'm deeply concerned Cure about cast. this. Yeah. Cure, Cure cast. cast. Um, Pictures of You is uh, like a post-breakup song, and it's sung from this point of view of the narrator, Robert Smith. Whether this actually happened or not, who knows? He's been married to like the same woman since this song came out, mm-hmm. like, it, and was with her like since they were teenagers. Oh, wow. so I, you know, but who knows if he's had other relationships mm-hmm. within that time? Yeah, but the this song on this album is all about him, Robert Smith, or the narrator, whatever, looking back at this relationship he's yeah. had with this with this woman and how wonderful it was and how these very vivid, distinct memories, these very um, uh, well-described uh, images of this woman and specific things, and all he has left is these memories of her Mm -hmm. all he has left is these you know as the title of the song says all the are these pictures of you yeah and that's all he can hang on to he's not trying to get back together with her he's not really lamenting the breakup he's lamenting the relationship in a way he's obviously it's a it's a song all about missing this person but it's not a song that's filled with like this existential dread or uh, it's not an i fucked up song it is a look how good this was song and yeah. I'm mourning this loss of this relationship not I can't believe we've broken up mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is another uh, you know another I, I guess it's within his over of uh, kind of things that he sings about he's he's doesn't come off as a very angry person I think he's yeah uh, you know that's why they call him goth even though he's not goth mm-hmm. he's just kind of heavy feelings he's got, a mopey he's, got the, he's got big feelings yeah. Robert Smith has big feelings. Guy with big feelings. And it, big hair to match his hair. Yeah. And I've looked it up. I think you have Richard Love Song. Yeah, I say number, we're all wrong. Number two. We're a bunch of idiots here. We all fucked Friday up. Friday I'm in Love, way ahead of, uh, unless that's on, I don't know, that's the Hot 100 chart. Yeah, that's that's the Billboard chart. Yeah. Oh, okay. Love Song, number two. Who knew? I do feel like. And that was a song that he wrote as a wedding present for his wife, Mary. Really? really? Yeah. Wow. Adorable. Well, yeah. also a cheapskate. i mean you know flash forward to next week we are uh next week's episode is the mount rushmore of extravagant gifts oh yeah i don't know 
is the number two song the Cure has ever written an extravagant <laughs> gift or not? Maybe or, if it would have gone to number one, it would okay. make the list. <laughs> That'd be funny. That was just Morrissey wrote me a number one song. What did you get? Yeah. Um, the evolution of a breakup and how different stages, mm. like it sounds like Nancy Sinatra was in the kind of empowered screw you stage, like like a well, Gloria was, Gaynor was when she did I Will Survive. Yeah, I, I, maybe I should maybe I should have listed all of my um, choices that way. It should have been uh, the Nancy Sinatra. Uh, I'm gonna leave. I'm not leaving yeah. yet. Then yeah. it's the Neil Sedaka. Hey, this is pretty good. We should yeah. get back together. Yeah. And then it's the Robert Smith. Uh, oh, look how look how beautiful you are, and look at these. My images of you in my head will never be tarnished because mm-hmm. you were like this statue to me and all of these wonderful memories. And then we'll get to my fourth choice. But like, yeah, uh, I should have told a story. I'm yeah. a bad songwriter, the I stages. guess. Yeah, the stages. That's why you never had a number two single. That's right. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm excited. I may have extravagant gifts. We're going to have that to look forward to um, next week. And uh, when, oh, sorry, Manfredi, what's your third? Uh, my third one is, now I had a couple of songs on there that are, uh, I hope you're happy now is kind of a rocker. Uh, crazy, certainly a, a more of the ballad for, for um, I love me some pop music, especially some pop rock. And uh, this one certainly hues more modern, and then by modern I mean made in the 2000s at least, than I usually go for. Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson. Okay. This song's a goddamn jam. Yeah. This is a this is a banger. Yeah. Through and through. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by uh, Doc, Dr. Luke and Max Martin, mm-hmm. uh, the Swedish uh, so- yeah. hit songwriting team. Yeah. Um, originally, they like Backstreet Boys. Yeah, guys? they did a lot of the Backstreet Boys and kind of in sync and that uh-huh. kind of world. Uh, this was actually a song that they had written, wanting to get a bit out of that world, and they originally were skeptical about having an American Idol winner yeah. sing it because they thought that she might pull it back into that kind of schmaltzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, world of pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Um, they originally had written it for Pink, actually, and she t- wound up turning it down. Oh. So you can kind of hear in the song where y- you can hear where Pink probably would have also done mm-hmm. a really good job on this. Um, Hillary Duff turned it down because she didn't think she could hit the high notes. Oh, wow. Um, Kelly Clarkson uh, kind of l- took a listen to it, and there's like there's basically thought. Yeah, this is the right song for me. She'd already recorded all of the songs for her album. Went back in the studio just to record this. Mm-hmm. Um, th- and this is kind of a. This is definitely in the fuck you mode. Yeah. It's definitely in the uh, in the Nancy Sinatra. Mm-hmm. These boots are made for walking kind of world. I mean, this is basically we broke up, and you know what? It feels pretty good. It's mm. kind of the yeah. exact opposite of breaking up is hard to do. Turns out in this song's case, at least breaking it up, eh, not so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's—I mean, the whole—and the, the other the other thing about the, the writing of the song that I learned doing the research, apparently, it's they kind of got the idea listening to Maps by Yeah Yeah the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, mm. and they said they loved the song, but they hated the fact that they couldn't just write a pop chorus. Like that, the song doesn't have a real like pop chorus; it just kind of goes between like the two parts. And it doesn't, you keep waiting for it to have like this big kind of like pop sort of mm-hmm. chorus to it. And it never really hits it. Um, so they decided to write a song that was in that vein, but also had a big kind of triumphant sort of pop chorus at the end of it. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah, could, yeah, you guys didn't write like a pop song until maybe 
it's bliss. Yeah. Like un- until like zero or something like their first couple of albums. I mean, especially that first album was not, it was like a, you know, that New York 2001 rock. Right. Yeah, just, exactly. Why would you, ex- why would you expect like maps to be like a pop? That's so, sh- that's <laughs> such a strange comment. Cause they're Swedish. So I think that, that probably has something to do with it. I'm so thrown by that. And I just, like I said, I just, there's a reason why a, an artist like Ted Leo can do this song. Mm. And it works well for him because I think it's just got the bones of a great, really indie yeah. pop song um, that just happens to have a, enough pop sheen to it to have made it palatable for the general world. And like I said, it's just a fucking banger. Mm. Do you like that when that happens, when like a uh, good like indie rock or just generic kind of alternative rock uh, musician will take like a pop song and just and just really yeah. do it a do a different take and do a really good service. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing, um, uh, uh, I want to hear this Ted Leo version, but, uh, who's, uh, talking heads, uh, David Byrne. I saw him in concert and he did like a version of like crazy in love. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce song. And oh, like the crowd went crazy yeah. and it was just like one of those like, Oh, well you're, I guess Ted David Byrne can do whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and maybe he can do whatever, or maybe it's just, that's, that was just a good song for him. I, I think it's know. probably a combination of the two. I think that if you've got a really good pop song has to have a good, good kind of chassis underneath mm-hmm. it, so to speak. Yeah. So that an artist like, like David Byrne can kind of reconstruct it his own way, but it's still kind of built on this really solid structure. Yeah. Uh, that, that's an interesting topic. Maybe we, we put that uh, out later on. People want us to hear, if you want to, to talk about music ever again, those covers. Or we, we've done covers. Before, we've done covers before. Maybe we do un, 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 unexpected covers. Unexpected covers, yeah. Mm. Uh, Winfield, your well, final Well, my first. last one is right in line with that Kelly Clarkson song. It's uh, We're Never Getting Back Together by Taylor Swift oh, from oh, 2012. Wow. Did and not expect that from you. you? Looking right at me? And this <laughs> this is... I think it was one. Did my wife also suggest that one. It was, <laughs> it was an unexpected song for her because she was kind of like this, you know, teenage country phenom, and all of a sudden turned around and became this pop star at like you know a traditional kind of pop star out of nowhere, and has since gone on to become yeah, either the because biggest money, <laughs> yeah. the what you know the biggest pop star yeah going today, but this song in particular has that same sort of like fuck you energy Mm -hmm. it is like if you imagine like neil sadaka on the other end of like (laughs) hey uh let's uh let's get back together and this song is all about no uh you've tried that you keep coming in you keep saying oh uh uh, i'm gonna change and trust me and everything's fine and hers is just flat out no this Mm -hmm. is you keep calling and we are never ever getting back together and this song just it's a good little pop rock song, and uh, I just think it really, one, catapulted her career in a, in a lot of ways into a different market, and two, mm-hmm. it's uh, anthemic. Yeah. And I think those are important on these female empowerment mm-hmm. breakup songs, and I think, I don't know, I think it's it's right up there. It almost seems like these Kelly Clarkson or Max Martin and Taylor Swift are script writers. And they are writing the script that women want to say, or sorry, that scorned lovers want to say to the person who hurt them mm. to the point where you would dial the phone, turn that song on, <laughs> and hold it up to the speaker while you call your ex and let them 
speak vicariously the words that you wish you could have said. Have you been, um, have either of you guys watched uh, Barry? Oh, yeah. Richard? Yeah. Uh, do you watch it through this last season? Yeah. So, uh, spoiler alert for everybody, skip forward a minute if you don't want to hear anything about the second season la, of la, 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 Barry. Oh, the second season? There's another season? The second season, no. Oh. Um, oh, is that bad? Sorry, is that bad podcasting? That's bad there? podcasting. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> basically, there's... Uh, an acting scene where a woman is kind of um, unloading yeah. her memories of this fight she's had with her boyfriend. This isn't really going to spoil anything, but um, so she has it in her head that's scripted and then she finds out that it didn't really go down this way and she suppressed all this memory yeah. and then she acts it out in front of the class and in front of the class it's you know raw and emotional and very truthful and then when she gets on stage in front of a bigger audience, it turns into a very much... Yes, yeah. uh, Taylor Swifty sort of. I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna be brave, and everyone eats it up. Yeah, like the the facade of it, this made up story of it, is what helps her in her career, mm-hmm. not the truth of how she was. Oh yeah, took the guy back and was yeah. very very not strong. Mm-hmm. And I just talking about this right now, it feels like oh, this is this is that facade song of like. Yeah, I'm gonna stand up and I, like you said, I'm gonna hold up my phone, but that's yes, you know, this is written by two other guys, not her. So yeah. like it's yeah, that's that's the truth behind it. That, you know? I, I think entertainment is often in cinema or television where we watch other people be as strong as we like to be mm. or, or grow into that strength throughout the evolution of a film or a series or something, and that sure is music. Music can be that way, in, especially in these. Songs that we've kind of identified are in the um, the recovery part of the breakup, um, the stages of denial or recovery. <laughs> They're in that final phase, the FU phase. So, dudes, uh, we have um, uh, okay. Let me just one more, one more. Oh, sorry. Okay, Richard. <clears throat> Richard, before you go, I want you to tell me if you've ever been dumped. No. Have you ever had emotional romantic pain? Oh sure, high school okay. was though you you just described high school. You did but, adolescence, but I never, I never. You have to have a girlfriend to get dumped. Okay, yeah. So there the, was there the, was that. In high the school. longing. He's one and now. He's one of that's Undefe- that's pretty undefe- good. Undefeated, undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. champ. Exactly. That's absolutely great. Well, depending on how reliable those song well, choices. Exactly. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that, that record may be changing, Michael. Depending on those uh, Sarah's Facebook choices posts. there. Yeah. Mm. Um, do you? How do you feel that impacts your ability to weigh in in a very effective way on this topic? Because I, I think you've done a very good job. Oh, I. You know, I think I. I know what it's like to be spurned. Yeah. Um. So I. Th- I think that you can get to break up pretty. Oh yeah. It, they're it, those two. Uh, Unrequited love yes. and breakup are pretty similar yeah. emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Richard, Richard, he hates all your choices. This is the sugar before the medicine. No, no, hey, no, I've no. got one more choice <laughs> to hone in on this and figure out what, what Jeff Hopkins. Matthew Sweets. Uh, oh no. shit! Okay, no. <laughs> censure. <laughs> it's not uh, Michael. It's not. It's not you. It's me. From Batman '66, <laughs> yeah. when Egghead broke up with. Uh, oh, I love this joy. <laughs> people know that the Batusi was actually <laughs> a breakup up dance. Song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so easily. You play me like a fiddle. What's your song? What's the final choice? All right. So um, my final choice um, is, I think, maybe the male counterpart to Patsy Cline in the 60s in terms of big hit breakup song after big hit breakup song, and that'd be Roy Orbison. Oh, okay. uh, With Crying. Yeah. A song that he wrote 
um, based on a, a personal breakup that he had. It's and, strange that you chosen two songs, Crying and Crazy, that are also Aerosmith songs. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, neither of these songs had Alicia Silverstone in their videos. <laughs> and, Liv, and Liv Tyler. Or Liv Tyler. Brian Green chose Only the Lonely by Roy Orbison. Okay, but I think he, I think he had the, was he Lonesome Roy Orbison? He he had a yeah, had so I mean, part he of had, moniker. Yeah. He had sort of a, a monopoly on this in the, the yeah. mid, or mid, early to mid 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he wrote this. He wrote this song. He said specifically because he realized there weren't really any pop songs or rock songs at the time that involved guys crying. It was always the girl who was the the, the cryy yeah. in these songs. And he kind of wanted to prove no, no it's okay. it doesn't mean that you're a wimp if you cry. That just means you're sensitive. Yeah. And I find that interesting because if you flash forward a couple of years to the Beatles. A lot of their sort of romantic kind of breakupy type songs involve them singing about them crying. Yeah, that's what made me think the Beatles were the first male girl group because really they, they had a lot of emotional vulnerability, or they hearkened back to uh, I think Motown and Goffin and King and sure. Carol. You know, they they had no, I guess Carol would be after them, but yeah, they had a lot of vulnerability. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that they were huge Roy Orbison fans. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the fact that in fact their first major UK tour, sort of when the supporting Roy, was supporting yeah. Roy yeah. Orbison, and that's kind of when the original Beatlemania in the UK happened uh-huh. was during that. But yeah, they was they were supporting Roy Orbison, and apparently he was. Uh, just a total minch and like a real great great guy and help them like kind of sort out what it's like to be a, a pop star and figure all yeah. that out but I think musically as well I think a, you know a lot of where they went lyrically with a lot of their early songs mm-hmm. I think definitely falls into that Roy Orbison yeah. playbook and again like Patsy Cline someone who just had a voice that just ached yeah. and, and sounded sounded of loneliness and, mm-hmm. and, and heartbreak and this song in particular I chose it because it's I think of all the Roy Orbison songs, it's certainly the most symphonic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly to the point of seeing by the end of the song, it's it's almost reaching an aria yeah. type quality to it, and especially with the notes that he's hitting at the mm-hmm. end. It's almost more operatic than it is pop at that point. Yeah. So, he, yeah, and I think, I don't know if it was after this recording of this song, but like Roy had so much personal tragedy in his life through sure. through sp- spurned relationships and and i think he did his, his children die in a fire or something one of like them that. did at yeah, least yeah just like oh my god just the guy lived it so much was it crying or only the lonely it's crying it's crying okay yeah because crying had that just the strings that are underscoring the end is just so and he's hitting powerful. those like just huge like yeah. notes yeah yeah okay some great choices guys i gotta Hold it together for this judging part. I just don't. I'm just kind of living moment moment to moment right now. Um, do do I go? To, do I think I need to? Do I smell? Should I clean these sweatpants that I've been wearing for the last week? Depends what you've been doing. Inside okay. Sweatpants. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's make some choices here. They were all good, but before we make those choices, let's go out to our uh, Facebook crowdsource and uh, some. I thought some fun unusual things or things that I didn't expect were a guy like Ryan McNicholas uh, choosing You Are My Sunshine the Johnny Cash version I thought that was really unique huh. um, 
And my friend huh. Whitney Sweeney choosing Harry Nilsson's Without You. Ooh. And claiming you can belt it out between your crying jags as being a uh, potent reason to Better version. It. Was, it, was it that or was it the uh, Badfinger version? I know which oh. one she chose, but I was... Yeah. Jeff Hopkins, which one do you think oh, is the Oh, I don't version? know. Uh, I, I, I think I, I'm, a, I'm a Nilsson fan, so I think I would go with, that, with him. Sure. Jacob Dubois, Unbreak My Heart. Mm. By Tony Braxton, <laughs> uh, with a with a second by our friend Kevin Dudley. So here's some dudes who are blasting some uh, Braxton. Um, my friend Jim Babcock, anything Blast by him. Air Supply, uh, which is kind of uh, novel. Um, then, uh, yeah, um, only the lonely Brian Green, um, uh, Janet Campbell, my friend, also chose D I V O R C E by Tammy Wynette. And the former uh, Mrs. Manfredi, Sarah Reeve. Um, oh, so your friend also, also divorcing yeah, yeah, me? Yeah, she's divorcing you too. <laughs> that's happening. Uh, my my uh, family member, Polly Bilski, Song for the Dumped by Ben Folds. Uh, Sean Bernard had a little Harry Connick drifting, Harry Connick Jr. drifting. My buddy Gordon Gilgus brought up a unique uh, uh, angle on this. And the whole album Trace by Sun Volt, he considers a breakup album basically between Jay Farrar and Jeff Tweedy. Right. So, well, yeah, you, oh, oh, interesting. I think it's an interesting angle on that because I never thought of Jay Farrar as the kind of the emotional, uh, um, nostalgic one in that relationship because it seemed like uh, Jeff Tweedy was trying to get out from under Jay Farrar's kind of... Well, uh, I think Jay Farrar's kind of the, the spurned one in this. Yeah, well, I think he's the nominal loser in this because... Well, I don't think there's any question yeah, about Jeff that. Yeah, Jeff Tweedy's had such a big career, but... Um, Daniel DeVoe, uh, I Can't Make You Love Me, Bonnie Raitt. Oh, that's uh, a good one. That's a pretty good one. Um, that's one where you want to have a glass of wine yeah. and a little cry. Wes Halula, the entire Forever Blue album from Chris Isaac. I could really um, oh. support that. Angie Grubb, sorry, Rachel Grubb, Angie by the Rolling Stones, of course. Um, a lot of great choices from Ken Stewart. Uh, this Year's Love by David Gray, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart by the Bee Gees, Patrick Canaday, One More Night uh, Phil Collins. So those are some great choices. Sorry, if you were going to go full album, I think my full album choice would have been "Blood on the Tracks" by uh, oh, Bob Dylan. Little Bobby Zimmerman, yeah, little okay. Bob Zim- okay. as, as, the, as his friends like hey, us Zimmy. call him. Zimmy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, let's get to the the choosing of the of the things. And uh, guys, I hope you don't break up with me after I choose these. So um, just bouncing around here, um, breaking us up to, up is hard to do is a fun choice, and uh, we'll get gloomier. It's got hand claps. You really can't yeah, beat hand it's claps. Got, yeah, yeah. Um, and let's go with pictures of you because I've been on a post-punk kind of kick today. And um, let's go with um, crazy because it's Willie freaking Nelson and Patsy Klein. And that's is this going to be a tie? Um, how about Only the Lonely by Lonely Roy Orbison? Or uh, you mean uh, crying. crying. Sorry, Crying by Lonesome yeah, Richard, Roy Orbison. Richard won that week. He did? Well, by the well, way that the things just show you. I thought you had a, d- a double. What was my double? Oh, the uh, whatever Anderson, the one the Anderson. Had. Yeah. Breaking up is hard to do. Yeah, yeah. So he still won by one point. How was that? Six. Well, for someone who's getting dumped, he oh, just got shit. dumped yeah. by, the, I, think it's, I think it's worthwhile for me to win. Well, we are uh, kind of. Listen, we're 193 episodes into the season, and we're all tied up at 244 piece. We Holy cannot smokes. be 109 episodes into this season. This season? That's I'm, I'm impossible. On episode 193. Oh, my God. We are 40-something. Into the season, and we're yeah. tied. And we're tied. 
It's it's coming down to the wire, boys. So the holidays are coming, so start thinking about your extravagant gifts for mm. your loved ones, mm-hmm. and you can tune well, in. I don't have a loved one to give anything to <laughs> yeah. now, apparently. So Richard is now a resident of the studio where we record our podcast. <laughs> We've got a cot over in the corner. It's okay if I, hey, Jeff, it's okay if I crashed in the studio for like six months? Sure, buddy. Yeah, there's a bucket you can go in over there. Nice. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name, as always, is Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael.